You know one thing I noticed, Brim, when I started driving here today? What's that? You know that I've upgraded to an SUV, right? I do know that. So, I used to have a truck, the old Ranger. Yes. And when I looked in the back window all the time, it was never obstructed. It was always clean. Mm -hmm. Nothing was ever getting back there. Okay. Now that I have an SUV, and you can probably attest to this because you have one too. Yeah. The back window is always dirty. It is always dirty. Do you have the wiper blade with the with the washer fluid that like, you know, can swoop it back and forth? Yeah. Yeah. But it gets so dirty sometimes that it doesn't even matter. The wiper blade can't even get it all. Yeah. No, I hear you. I uh, and I agree. It is a pain in the ass. I don't. I don't. Is there like some science behind that? Why is there excess dirt on there all the time? Is it just because of the way the, the the window is kind of inclined and more exposed in the back? I would say yeah. That's exactly what it is. If you want to get down to an exact science, that's what it would be. Okay. I think you know. I think you 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 hit the nail on the head there. Well, I'm I'm happy to have a, an SUV now. It's such a good vehicle. It's so reliable. Unfortunately, the gas prices are just out the ass. Yeah. So like I can't even function with those prices but i mean it's just it's just good to know that you have a vehicle that gets you from a to b and you don't have to worry about it breaking down or it, anything really no i i completely agree and if you if you're always driving like you have a commute right like you go to Sh what is it where are you for work yeah. Sherwood park is that what it is? yeah just before Sherwood park down the Henday right, on the east right. side so it's only so like a half commute. an hour yeah but it is a commute so it, if you're yeah. if your back window's dirty <laughs> you know <laughs> becomes a bit of a hassle yeah i mean we're in the slushy period too so like hopefully that changes really soon with everything melting but it's actually getting more dry now so i don't know maybe we're over the hump now of the cold and the slush so yeah one can hope anyways it's hard to hope when you're in alberta northern with it's the weather and stuff so it's supposed to snow tomorrow is it actually yeah but it'll melt quick it'll melt quick we're out of the like my dad was saying it's gonna be 17 on wednesday okay we're out of the woods here okay well that's all right then, i guess but yeah Anyways, how you doing today, bro? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really good. We, you know, we recorded a podcast episode for my podcast, Comic Book Movie Guy, mm -hmm. the podcast, yep. and it went really well, as usual. Yeah. And you know, this has been a fun morning, and we're just getting to your episode, and it's noon. It is now 12 o'clock. Yeah, we're making good time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's one thing I love about weekends, especially, you know, when you got other things on the go outside of your regular work schedule, Yeah, there's nothing better than routine. It's true. I know we're both morning people, right? And there's nothing better than waking up on like a Saturday morning or Sunday morning, seizing the day. Yeah. Getting up around six thirty, seven o'clock. I would say probably a sleep in on a rare occasion for me is like eight. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you believe in an, in an internal clock? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I like for me, I'm on an internal clock. Mm -hmm. Every morning, six o'clock, six thirty, I'm awake. Mm -hmm. No matter what, if it's a weekend, weekday, just program that way now. There's the odd time where I might sleep through my alarm just for no reason whatsoever. It just happens at a later night, maybe, or just didn't sleep as good as usual. But yeah. no, I, I have an internal clock too. And even the the time change a couple days ago, I think that was right. Yeah. That kind of screwed me up a little bit when I, like the next day, everything felt like an hour behind. Yeah. So when I woke up, I felt kind of groggy throughout the day. It was weird. Where do you sit on the time change in Alberta? Because I know my grandparents, they live in Saskatchewan and it never changes. Everything changes around them, but it doesn't change. Well, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Why don't we just keep a standard time? What's the difference? Yeah, it's extra daylight, but I mean... 
it doesn't make any dif- like it makes a difference negatively i think for a lot of people including myself because it, it does screw with your your pattern a little bit but you get used to it it doesn't take long to get back into the groove but still it's still a pain to kind of lead up to yeah no absolutely and uh i find that this time of year is always harder than when the clocks go forward when the clocks go forward you have that extra bit of daylight in the morning this is the opposite so it's dark ish in the morning still but then that evening sets in so you get the evening sun so now it's like you know we're light out until eight or nine o'clock and then by you know july it's 10 o'clock 10 30 11 still light out that's nice too because when you're getting close towards spring and summer you start seeing the dryness of the road and i get really excited about that me too i commute every single day for work like that's part of my job right i have to go to like different sites all the time so all i'm doing all day is driving so on a day where i look outside and it's just dumping snow rain whatever i just dread it because it's like okay here we go you know i know for a fact that's going to be a factor in my day today yeah absolutely so to see the dry roads it (laughs) i'm also excited I'm debating sometimes when to wash my vehicle. Like last week I did, and that made no effect whatsoever. Although it's good to just still wash it anyways because of the salt. That's right. And the grind that gets up on your vehicle that could probably corrode it over time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they recommend, they being the manufacturers, that you wash your vehicle once a week or once every two weeks, depending on where you live. I mean, here in Alberta, I don't really drive my vehicle that much, but I... I drive my work truck all the time and I know they like to have us wash the trucks every Friday if we can. Mm. Like if it's in the cards for that day, wash the trucks. And that makes sense, right? You want to keep it in mint condition. So even if you're throwing just a little bit of water on the car, I think you're going to get some of that stuff that corrodes the wheel wells, etc. Mm-hmm. off. Well, and the stakes are higher too, especially like if you if you make that next step and buy like a more expensive vehicle, you got to take pride in that thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how does it feel for you driving around what is technically your first official like new vehicle? It's great. It's, yeah? it's really awesome. You know, it just, it just puts things in perspective for you. It makes you feel more mature. It, it puts you in a position where, hey, you know, I, I can really appreciate things more. You know what I mean? Not that I couldn't before. It's just, you just get a, a newer perspective. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, you've, you've earned it in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I feel the same way. And I, you know, I, tra- I changed over from a truck to an SUV uh, back in 2017. And that was the best decision I ever made. I love the SUV. It keeps mm-hmm. everything warm, keeps everything sort of, you know, even keel. Yeah. I like that. Exactly. Keeps your hockey equipment and stuff warm too, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah, and Brian, this is a good way to lead into like our first topic of the day because the fact that we're talking plays a lot into what we're about to talk about right now. Yeah. You see how we have our dialogue, right? We're talking about different things here and there, you know, just things to connect on. Yes. Right? That plays into just how valuable communication is. We don't always have to be talking about really deep things. To, no. c- to connect you know it's just the simple banter of everyday life that we can relate to and i want to get your opinion on this what to you is good communication what does communication mean to you personally this is a great question 
to me, communication is learning how to be a great listener. And I think that if you can listen to what that person is saying genuinely, and you take interest in what that person is saying genuinely, naturally your response is going to be positive and genuine because you're actually listening to that person. That's the biggest key that I've learned in communication, in work, in relationships, in friendships. You and I have never been more on the same page than we have been in the last six months to a year, would you say? Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the hammer there. Like It's just so important. And I was talking to my friend recently about this too, how listening it's not just sitting here and having your eyes fixated on somebody. Listening requires effort. Listening is actually a skill. It is a skill. And lots of us aren't good at it. It's a skill that you need to acquire mm-hmm. and practice and work on every day. You could be pa- like there's passive listening where you're not really listening. You're just kind of appearing to listen. And then there's active listening where you're actively like focusing on what that person's saying and comprehending it so that you can return the favor with a response, right? Like it's, it's hard. It's, it really is. It's, it's no slouch. And, and we kind of overlook this, right? We do. And I think you and I, as you know, really good friends are, we've always communicated, but we've run into communication problems in the past, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And the results of those communication have been sort of like, we've avoided We've avoided what, what it is that was bothering us or what it is that was, um, that was causing the confusion. Mm-hmm. But whereas like right now, the way you and I speak to each other or the way I speak to my coworkers, my girlfriend, whatever it is, I speak with intention and I listen with intention. And that exchange, if you can listen and speak with intent and have genuine sort of like like a, if you're just a genuine person trying to listen to what that other person is telling you and you don't, you're allowed a reaction. Also, I want to say this, you are allowed a reaction to anything that is said to you. I'm a very defensive person. That's something I've been working on for like probably close to two years now is how defensive I am. My guard is always up. If somebody says something to me in the past, if somebody were to, you know, rub me the wrong way in any sort of conversation, you like to call me names in like fun ways, right? You always, you're always calling me different things. Beggar, Brem, Bont, <laughs> Binky, <laughs> you name it. In good fun, of course. In good fun. And that's, you know, I didn't allow myself to have fun with that in the past. It would get annoying at times. And I was like, I'd be working and you'd be texting me these names. And I'm like, what is he like, man, I'm busy. But now that's what I look forward to most in my busy days is hearing that ping of my phone. And then I look down and I'm like, Pan Pavish. Interesting. <laughs> like that's an interesting name, you know? And that's the thing too, like knowing you were at work and busy. Yeah. That was my cue to like, okay, I know he laughs yeah. at what I say. So that's my way of just sneaking in there and just trying to make you laugh in, yeah. in one of those random parts of your day. Cause it's a stressful day, right? For lots of us. So in any way I can, if I know how to make somebody laugh, 
within the parameters of how I know that person. Like, mm. obviously, you don't do that to a stranger. You don't do that to someone you've met yesterday. You know, yeah. it takes a long time to build that sort of trust, that sort of camaraderie and, and communication level that you and I have and me and a couple other friends have who, who understand me. Um, that's just my way of reciprocating. Hey, you know, I'm thinking about you today. I want to make sure that you're good and here's a laugh to throw your way. Like, it, yeah. and, and I'm not expecting you to reply to it in one second. Yeah. I'm expecting you to like, whatever you're doing, you're going to be looking at your phone at lunchtime or whenever you have downtime and just go, <laughs> you know, and that's it. That's, 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 that's where it. my deed is done. My job is done there. Yeah. I love that man. And, and it's, and it's this lighthearted and I know it's coming every day or every other day you know and mm -hmm. it's something to look forward to mm -hmm. in a sense and uh if it's okay with you i'd like to share a story about communication please do that's what this whole platform is about personal stories big time so you have the floor thank you i have a coworker who is about you know 45 years old and here i am 26 years old <laughs> or 27 years old you know like like just a big age gap and he's he's my uh superior in a sense because he runs my everyday he's my dispatch he you know sends me here sends me there every day he's my only contact i have essentially now that i take the work truck home every night and him and i it's not that we didn't get along but he's a very anxious guy super anxious i myself i'm very anxious you know i take medication for my anxiety you know I take uh, Lexapro and it helps calm my anxiety, whatever. He's a very heightened, anxious guy. And he's always worried about that next job, the next job that's coming. Or what if, he's a what if guy, you know? He's always like, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? He's like, he plays uh, devil's advocate all the time. Or is that the right term? Devil's advocate when you're like, you're trying to, um, he always looks at it in a negative way. That's not devil's advocate. That's like... Uh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Anyways, he's, he's... Naturally, he's very heightened and anxious. And I would meet him up here with his anxiety when we talk. Because it's a natural response. When he's like, well, you got to get here and you got to get there and we got to get this done. And then I'll, all of a sudden I'm going, well, I don't know if I have time to get this, this, and this done today. Like, and why are we talking about this? This is a theoretical problem that you're making up. You know, that's how I would look at it before. In the past month, I've done something with this man and it's, I've opened my communication. I've been vulnerable with him. I've been honest about what jobs I'm at, where I'm going places, what's happening. Am I busy? Is like, are things working? You know, we're staying in touch. The response from this man is unbelievable. The communication, the change in communication. All I do is if he's up here and he's, you know, we're meeting at this heightened conversation where he's super stressed about the workday, whatever, I, I meet him there and I slowly come down with my voice and my, you know, I bring his emotions down and we meet here with our conversation. Like I said, he's, he's going off, you know, we gotta, get to, we gotta get to this place and that place. And I go, okay, sounds good. I have this at this place, so I should be done around this time. And he says to me, that's perfect. That's what I wanna know. You know, I wanna know where you're gonna, like how, how close you're, you are to getting to that next job so that I can schedule for tomorrow. You know, he tells me that. That, I've never felt closer with a coworker 
and I feel like he has my back, I have his. And it's just like this weird connection that happened over your topic, communication. And that's why I wanted to share that story. So I appreciate you open the, opening the floor for me. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brim. Really insightful. Um, that just kind of really emphasizes how important communication is and how reading one another is important because a lot of things get misread. That, that could have easily been a recipe for disaster. Absolutely. Where, where you guys couldn't probably have a, a friendship out of it, like where you could maybe like butt heads, but instead you chose the high road each and chose to understand one another. And even, I can relate to this too, Bren, because I, I have anxiety issues too, or at least I did in the past, not mm-hmm. so much anymore, because mm-hmm. I've kind of, you know, I've-, I've You're I'm, managing it. I'm managing it, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Um, but I'm not the only one. So many of us have the same tendencies. And when you open up with somebody about that, when you can both understand that you have those issues, you can really connect on a deeper level and, mm-hmm. and forward a, a very healthy friendship from that. Yeah. And you, and you actually work better together, I think, and you get more comfortable, which is great. I agree. And it's okay to set boundaries. You know, I've learned a lot about boundaries, whether that be with friends, work scenarios, relationships, anything. You can set a boundary that you're comfortable with. If you feel like a conversation is not going in a direction that you want or it's just not productive at that point, you're more than welcome to, you have the right as a human being to set a boundary and say, look, I'm just not my sharpest right now. Let's talk about this in five minutes, 10 minutes. Give me some time, give me a break. Give me some space or something, you know? And that's the problem too. Uh, sometimes people, including myself, like this is, I talk in a general sense because I do these things too. I'm not like indicting society here. Like this is, we're talking like among friends here. Like we, we all do this, right? Like when you're in the heat of a moment, your feelings take control. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And nine times out of 10, you feel like an, an asshole afterwards. You know, you don't feel good. So when, when you have time to kind of process that, you know, you find your moment of clarity once, you, once you've thought about it over time. And the person on the, on the receiving end, it's natural to either butt heads with that. And then I look back to when you've had those moments, you, you can at least say, you know what, I didn't really react or, react or respond to that properly because I wasn't fully understanding where that person was coming from. I was just too focused on their reaction and their hostile feelings. So really, in a way, it's not really a, a fair situation for everybody involved. And I've learned to kind of move forward, accepting that in the moment, you need to have patience for that person's initial reaction, because that's not truly how they feel. That could just be their boiled over feelings. Mm-hmm. So you can't really accept that as face value. You, Absolutely. you need to give that time to process and then hash it out afterwards, because you can't solve it in the moment. Yes. And it's, it's strange in moments where in the past, there's a, a situation where I'm, I'm heightened or I'm feeling anxious in a conversation. Um, I'm now able to sort of like do that thing where you, you step away and you sort of like your vision goes like this. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like the person is still talking to you in this heated moment, but you're able to sort of look at it from a perspective of, Okay, I'm, I'm here, but I'm also like trying to understand what he's saying. Like see it from his perspective. Why is, why is this person or this, um, this man or woman acting the way that they are right now? Or why am I acting or feeling the way that I am based on their actions right now? Why am I feeling that way? If you can ask yourself those questions whilst somebody is having an out, 
outburst or you're having a miscommunication with somebody, I think you're going to find a road to a, a nice paved path of communication between you and that other person. And pride gets in the way a lot. You know, you're too prideful sometimes to admit when you're wrong or too prideful to at least just accept that, okay, someone's having a bad moment. I need to step back a little bit. Having empathy really helps. You know what my problem is, is I'm, I used to be, I'm working on this right now, is I'm over apologetic. Hmm. So I'm the opposite. So no, I Non-confrontational so, too. Non-confrontational. So almost to the point where I don't have an opinion. So that's what I'm really working on with myself right now is, you know, you don't have to be controversial, but you're allowed to say something back in a non, like I used to only think of things in a way where I would have to respond and I would have to, you know, get the upper hand on that person in the conversation or something, you know, but it's not about that at all. It's about the, the, the connection between that conversation, no matter what the, the case is. Yeah. In those heated arguments, sometimes it becomes a competition of one-upping each other. Yes. Rather than just meeting on, I will say it, common ground. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It shouldn't just be about one-upping each other. It's about understanding both opinions. Okay, you know, I might disagree with you, but here's why I do. Or I agree with you. Let me elaborate on that further. You know what I mean? Just yes. Moments of clarity, right? Moments of clarity. I like that a lot. And I kind of want to get your opinion on this too, Ben, because we're at your house right now, obviously, and I, I commend you. You know, you bought your first house. You know, you Thank and your you. girlfriend, Randy, who I love. Like, it's it's a it's a huge accomplishment. I appreciate that. It feels yeah, it feels at this point, it does it does feel like that for sure. And I'm I just rented my first place too, so yes, I, I'm getting a, a real taste of the real world. Um, after many uh, many years, I living at home, but I mean, I had good parents. Like, I was going to university at the time, and they said, hey. You can stay here as long as you're going to school. And I recently graduated last year, so now it's time to, to make that step, right? I like that a Naturally. lot. So, um, you know, I commend them for obviously putting me in a good position. But now we're starting to see just how much everything costs because you're not paying, you're not watching somebody pay for things for you anymore. You have to be the one paying for those things. And you can really attest to this having a, mor a mortgage and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, money doesn't grow on trees and with the economy that we're in right now everything being so expensive as it is how do you navigate that can you walk us through that whole process actually of you know buying the house and then you know being able to afford it afterwards well thank you yeah first of all thank you for the kind words like i appreciate uh i appreciate you saying that and it does feel like an achievement at this point but it didn't always and when i first purchased the house it was you know it was at the very beginning of the pandemic in a place where the market was really low and prices for houses were way down because this was just starting and things were, you know, up in question. Nobody knew what was going on. So the market was down, it like crashed. And Randy and I said to each other, like, hey, we're ready. You know, I'm committed to you forever. You're committed to me at this point. So what do you think? And we just like went out and started house shopping. And, you know, between two, three months of, we looked at probably 20 houses and, this was the one that was out of our price range, but we made an offer that was lower than the price range and you know, people were desperate to get rid of it. They hadn't lived in it for six months and we got it. So I thought sunshine and roses from that first purchase. And I lived with Randy for four years before this in her apartment that she had near Concordia there um, where she went to university. And I 
lived there and it was quite the commute from Leduc and back. But when we moved in here, I was super excited for the commute and I was super excited for all the space, all the house, all this stuff. But that first year was probably the hardest year of my life. And I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. I know you're gonna be fine. You got your roommate. You're gonna be, you know, you're smart with your bills. You're, you're at a later stage in your life than I was. You know, all this stuff. You're more mature. You know, we talk about uh, communication and all this other stuff before this. And what happened to me in that year, I think it was 20, I don't even remember, 2020, I guess, was when we bought the house. I turned to every single form of um, negative energy you possibly could in that year while I tried to navigate through what it was to own a house, to pay the bills, to, you know, all this stuff. It was a hard year and work crashed as did everybody else's. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a very emotional year. You know, I turned to alcohol. I turned to different things, negative fights, negative energy. I used to, you know, pick fights with my girlfriend, pick fights at work, you know, just, just a real mess. And it was all because of my unknown feelings of anxiety, defensive nature, and just straight up um, overwhelmed. I was burnt out and I was overwhelmed by the amount of bills, the amount of what this was. You know, my parents did a good job as, as I was a kid in raising me and sheltering me from <laughs> the world that we know today. But also, uh, my parents were, um, they were quick to be like, yes, go out to the world, experience your life. You know, my parents have always been lesson-driven people. So they let you do what you want to do. When I was 16 years old, I bought a 2014 Dodge Ram top-of-the-line truck. And my dad co-signed on that thing. I remember that truck. It was nice. It was way too nice. And it was a, a piece of junk. So much went wrong with that truck before it reached 100,000 kilometers. And I learned that lesson the hard way. And I thank my parents for that. And although this year, or that, that year of 2020, was an absolute nightmare, trying to learn how to pay bills, trying to do chores around the house, keep the house clean, you know, just two of us paying a mortgage sort of thing, you know? It was just a lot in our relationship. Randy and I's relationship went through a lot that year. I went through a lot that year. I started going to counseling. I'm still going to counseling two years later, but for different reasons. And the counseling has shifted into such a nice place where I can go and we can discuss the positive things that are happening in my life, you know? And that's, what I, that's the main message. You asked me about, um, you asked me about my house and what, that first year meant what it means now all this stuff huge achievement i love it would i go back and do it the same way again absolutely not would i change a thing absolutely not because that's why i'm here sitting here talking to you right now so thank you for again asking me this question and letting me go off on your podcast i appreciate it that was very well said bro thank you very enlightening and one thing that really resonated with me there was when you were talking about your reactions to those stressful times, I feel like internally, it's it's a form of desperation, right? You're you're feeling um, these inadequacies, 
and you're dealing with it in a way that's desperate, right? Because you're desperate to find a solution, but you don't know what that is. Yeah. So you take to just um, having abrupt reactions to things. Yeah. You, you take um, short-term fixes like, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. I understand how that feels when you, you know, you have a drink and it takes the edge off, right? You disappear. You disappear. You exactly. don't feel it. You don't feel things. You don't feel your emotions. You don't feel anything like that. But you know? in but in that, you know, you can find a sense of um, realization that you are more than what those things make you feel. Absolutely. So that to me is very powerful that you can realize that and punch through it. And I think it really helps too to have people around you that are supportive. I know you have a supportive girlfriend, a supportive family. So it's it's great when you have people to, to help build you up too. You need to be your own man, but you also, you know, feed off of the energy that people around you give as well. And that helps a lot too. So Yeah, I agree. And I you know, a lot of that growth comes from the support of my friends and my family and my girlfriend, especially my girlfriend. I commend her and I mean, she doesn't like me talking too much about her on podcasts and stuff. She's like, I don't want people to know what I do, but she's a fantastic psychologist, counselor, whatever you want to call her. She's, and the way she separates our relationship from her work, that's so hard because a lot of her work is dealing with relationship problems and, you know, feelings. And when she sees what's happening to me, it's, it'd be really easy for her to assess me, right? Mm-hmm. Or like say, this is what's happening. This is what you need to change. She doesn't do that. It's a, a, again, it's the same thing as my parents. It's letting you fall on your face a bit. And she rode through it with me for a year there, man, a year and a half. That was a tough year for our relationship. And we made her on the other side and we're, we couldn't be happier. And like, same thing with my family, man. Like, you know, they weren't as involved that year that I was having it or going through it, but they were there and they, they made me aware that I had those resources and that they were there for me no matter what. And that's huge. That's great. Support you, system, right? Yeah, it makes you so much stronger, especially with relationships too. You know, if you can power through something like that, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom, but that's really where the turning point happens too. You know, you have a turning point in a hockey game the TSN turning point, there's your turning point right there when you hit rock bottom and you decide, hey, are we going to like power through this and get stronger or is this just going to collapse and that's the end of it? Right. And you guys powered through it and that's, that's powerful, man. Congratulations. Well, good. <laughs> like you won a reward. Or anything. I'm, I'm so glad that you said powerful. Taking back the power is essentially what you're doing in this scenario, is essentially what I'm doing. I'm taking back the power. I'm not allowing an anxious conversation to get me heightened to that point where I'm feeling how I used to feel. I don't let things get to me in a defensive way. Everybody's intentions are pure. That's how you have to think. Your intentions are always of the purest nature. That my coworkers intentions, maybe they're a little bit, you know, backhanded in a sense sometimes where he's looking for a rise or you know how some people are looking for a rise out of you. There's people like that in the world. But that's where you also have to understand that those people mean well. It's just their form of communication. That's what it is. And if you can accept that and you can just accept them and listen to what they're trying to say, not what the words are, you're going to be good. You're going to build some strong relationships. Yeah, and I'm reading this book right now too about communication called Am I Making Myself Clear? 
Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm learning as I read through the book is that um, to, to be a good communicator, a lot of it has to do with understanding the language that people convey, especially when it comes to like um, nonverbal communication and visuals and stuff yeah. like that. And even the way they actually speak verbally, you know, matching that. You know, you don't want to speak overly formal when this person is just speaking kind of in their own sort of style. Yeah. In a way to connect to that, you also want to kind of match that so that they can feel like they're being understood as well. Yeah. That speaks that speaks volumes to me. That's I'd like to read that book when you're done with it. Easy That's read. Amazing. It's like 100 pages and it's like really simple. Like not like a hugely packed pages of nice of words I, I like i like it's my kind that. of book you know me too <laughs> so bram just to kind of end off the show here i want to get one last question in there for you what are your life goals how would you describe them right now that's a good question and i'll say this i'm kind of living my life goals right now like this is it you know i'm living the dream i have two perfect little dogs that i love so very much I got my best friend here. We're recording this podcast for your show that is becoming every day more successful. And my show is becoming successful here and there. People are listening. People are tuning in. They want to hear what you have to say. They want to hear what I have to say. My future life goal is to have a distinguished identity. I have lived my entire life without an identity. And this is the first step this last month has been the first step of developing Brennan Huber's identity. And that's something that I've been working on and that's my future goal to answer your question. That's awesome. We don't think about that a lot, hey? We just kind of, we, we, we kind of gravitate to different things throughout our life. But do we really actually sit down and say, hey, what's Brennan's identity? Hey, what's my identity? What makes me me? So yeah. that's a really cool thing. That's a really powerful journey. And to kind of understand that at a young age, that's impressive too. So I commend well, th- you. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on again. This has been really fun. A little deeper topic than I'm used to on your show. Mm-hmm. And I like that. That was It was fun to be vulnerable on Shatter the Glass. So I appreciate you. Oh, anytime, Bram. I really like your, your take on the life goals, you know. I know that we're always fixated on, okay, here's my list of goals. Here's when I'm going to get them done. Here's how I'm going to get them done. Here's what they are. Yeah. And it's always based on the future. And it's great. You need to have future goals. You that's, do. that's what motivates you 100%. But I think we look at it in the wrong picture sometimes. Like, hey, you know what? You're currently living in the here and now. Your goal is right now. Your goal is what's in front of you. Your goal is today, if not like, tomorrow. Like Matthew McConaughey says, he goes, he goes my, my hero is, it's, it's me five years from now. It's me 10 years from now. And then that hero, me 10 years from now. That's me 10 years from now. That's my hero. That's what he said during his Oscar speech. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think I've actually seen that speech. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. If you ever have time, listen to Matthew McConaughey talk about life. Because that guy could do it for an hour and a half if you want. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on Shy of the Glass today. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. You're not it's really, been fun. You're not really a guest. You're, you you kind of co-host with me here and there. So I'm happy to, to always have you on board and we can talk about all kinds of different things. So I love it. Okay. Thank you, sir. And thank you, everybody, for listening today to Shire the Glass. I'm your host, Zane Tomich. We'll see you next time.